The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. He is currently the head football coach of the University of Michigan Wolverines and a former player. His dad and brother are also former players and coaches, but there is more to them than just football. It's time to talk about attacking life each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. This is Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast with Jim Harbaugh. Time for another episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. And last week we had such a great conversation with Michigan man Nate Forbes, who is the vice chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to bring you part two a little bit later on here in this show. And of course, later on, we're going to have Jack Talk with Jack Harbaugh. But once again, Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, Matt Dudek here on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen via the Podcast One app, or you can go to podcastone.com. And guys, last week, Actually, over the weekend, we got a tweet from Steve Shelsky at Shelsky A1A. He tweeted, love the podcast, grew up in Ann Arbor in the 70s, 80s, played high school hoops with Coach Jim, 79 and 80 at AAPHS. So it was your sophomore year at Pioneer High School. And enjoy the talk about Michigan football from those days. Very entertaining. Listen to Jim and Jack and Jack talk stories are amazing. Keep it up. And then he followed up with another question, uh, a comment slash question, Coach, and he said, it would be interesting to learn more about the life of a U of M football walk-on. Can anyone walk on? How does the process work? Does a young man just show up and join the team? Is there a walk-on Hall of Fame? That kind of thing. But we know it's not as simple as just showing up and walking on. There's definitely a process to that. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's players that we recruit uh, to be preferred walk-ons. And if you imagine any high school team, uh, there may be one or two scholarship type players on that team. And then the third best player uh, may be as good or almost as good as the, the two that are getting scholarships and, uh, but, but didn't. Uh, and then uh, that's, that's who we're recruiting. That's who we want to try to, to recruit to, to Michigan. Also uh, the strength of the school uh, being such a, uh, you know, I, I think the best university in the world. So does James Earl Jones. Uh, shares that opinion <laughs> that uh, a, a player a lot of times will will come to Michigan, uh, you know, to to get the Michigan education and the opportunity to to earn a scholarship and play big time football over uh, uh, a school that's offering them a scholarship or um, an Ivy League uh, type of offer comes to mind where uh, you know Michigan's the same same education. But uh, you have a chance to get a scholarship at Michigan. You don't have right. a chance to get one at the Ivy League. And uh, there's Ivy League players that, that turn into great players and become professional players. So uh, that's, that's one part of the – that's the recruiting strategy. Mm-hmm. That's the, the recruited part of, of, of it. And then uh, there's, also, there's also tryouts that we have for youngsters that come to Michigan. Uh, they're students here, and they go through their fall semester, and then they – they come out uh, uh, for the team in January. We have a, a tryout, and many have stuck, um, and quite a few. Buck West, uh, who, who's been playing receiver safety, now he's going to play quarterback this year, jumps to mind. But there's, there's, been, there's been many uh, that have, have done extremely well. The most walk-ins we come, have on the team come from the state of Michigan because uh, in-state tuition. It's in-state <laughs> in tuition at the University of Michigan might be uh, is the deal of the century. Mm-hmm. Just if you had to pay the in-state tuition, uh, about thirteen thousand uh, a semester is a tremendous deal. It's it's less than half of uh, what the regular tuition is, but also you have the uh, the Go Blue guarantee, which uh, right right for families that uh, you know make a certain level of income. Uh, they're, if they're admitted to the University of Michigan, then they, they don't pay anything. I can imagine that there's also the pull of if you grew up in the state, you might have grown up with that block M on your chest, and your dream is to go to the school and, wow, wait, I can try, I can walk on and potentially try out for this team that you can fulfill one of those lifelong dreams that you've had. Well, there's no doubt about it. So you asked about the, the walk-on ho- Hall of Fame. I mean, we have somebody right in the next, in the next room, Jordan Kovacs, mm-hmm. uh, who was not a recruited walk-on, was not a preferred walk-on. Uh, but wanted to come to Michigan, came to Michigan, came out for football, be, eventually became a, a, uh, a starter, a captain, 
a pro football player with the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Glasgow's. Uh, I mean, all three of them. All three of them came as as uh, recruited walk-ons, and all three earned a scholarship. Currently, Jordan Glasgow is on the team right now, but his two other older brothers, uh, Graham and, and Ryan, are currently pro football players with the Lions and, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, right now our our current roster we have uh I mean we have it we have a lot of of uh of really great guys that have that have come here. Uh, Nate Shanley, wide receiver. You know, he's he's been playing in games and uh you know, outstanding player from right here in uh Gabriel Richard and Ann Arbor. Uh offensive linemen uh were were in really good shape. Uh Andrew Vistardis was a heavily recruited walk on. So is Jess Spate. Uh, both are knocking at the door of being scholarship players. Greg Robinson, one of my dad's favorite players. Oh, I like him. How about Brian Greasy's son? Was he was he a walk on here or oh, was he? A scholarship? Oh, yeah, Brian did start. Bob son, but Brian started. Cause I remember watching him do runs around the field over by the uh, the Hill Dorms, and he came. He turned down Purdue scholarship offer. He came here as a walk on. Obviously, earned a scholarship pretty early on, but he did come here as a scholarship player. Led to a national championship. Yeah, but uh, Joe Joe Hewlett from uh, Northville High School, Rich Hewlett's son, uh, has been playing, playing running back, playing uh, uh, on special teams, contributing mightily. Um, Andrew Robinson is snapping. Cameron Cheeseman's our snart starting snapper. He's done a tremendous job. Uh, Matt Mitchell from uh, Dexter right here. Dexter uh, Dreadnoughts is uh, doing a heck of a good job. Go down the list. Uh, Jack Luby from Lake Orion doing a great job. Jamison Offerdahl was playing. Uh, he tore his ACL uh, in, I think it was the Ohio State game. But uh, he's good. Lewis Grobman's a – there's an example of somebody that just tried out for the team from Wald Lake Northwestern, and he has uh, done a fantastic job. He's knocking on the door for playing time right now. Jack Dunaway from Brother Rice. He was a heavily recruited preferred walk-on. Uh, Brendan White, wide receiver. He, is, uh, he has come so far. Also uh, somebody that, that uh, tried out for the team in January. Buck West, is a, who I mentioned before, uh, tried out for the team, made it, doing a heck of a job. Nobody we like better than Joey Files on the team from Cranbrook. Uh, Kingswood High School, the uh, maybe the most go blue, best attitude uh, guy on the team. Got uh, he was and he was knocking on the door for playing time last year uh, in a Friday scrimmage. He he broke his collarbone and uh, catching a long pass. And played the next three plays with a broken collarbone, and uh, found out after after practice that he had he had broken his collarbone. So uh, could keep going here. I mean, there's there's uh, there's so many examples. I mentioned Vistardis and Robinson. Uh, Dan Yokish uh, was came in as a wide receiver, then a tight end, and now he's playing offensive tackle. Jake Martin, one of the smartest guys on the team, 34 ACT, takes a takes a million reps. Uh, uh, Peter Bush. Right now, you can make an argument is uh, maybe our most talented, uh, along with Shane Lee, guy that's uh, that's walked on, and uh, he's playing playing fullback and tight end for us. Peter Bush from California, Corona Del Mar. True Wilson, eh, maybe I take that back. True Wilson's our third back. Uh, you know, he's going to play a lot this year. Uh, Mike Sessa's done a great job at quarterback. He keeps he put him in a scrimmage, and he just moves the team. Uh, Jared Char, Harrison High School, another example of uh, of a guy that that uh, just tried out for the team. He's uh, he's done a very good job. So uh, can keep going. The McCurry brothers, uh, oh, yeah. you know, they're uh, they're they're the they're the real favorites uh, as well. Jake uh, was our scout team player of the year last year, and, and just a just a freshman. He's played uh, receiver, then he went to corner, came back to receiver, and he's Receiver is definitely his position, but he's getting a lot of playing time. He's in the he's in the travel team depth chart uh, already with with four years of eligibility still to go. So uh, Jack Young uh, also uh, coming on the scene. Ryan Vingrad is going to move from tight end to to defensive end. Carter Seltzer, there's a name uh, from Kansas City, another out of state guy who is a highly recruited preferred walk on. 
done a, done an incredible job. He's he's probably running fifth right now uh, at the at the tight end. So just a, just a freshman. He's he's already growing into his his six eight <laughs> frame at uh, you know right around probably put on right ten pounds already oh, two thirty yeah. two thirty five. So yeah. you can see where he's gonna he's gonna go. Uh, eventually, his dad was a, high, a college football player. Uh, Matt Baldeck also a snapper. The Shibleys, the two Adams, Fakir and uh, Adam Shibley, both uh, both uh, from uh, Fakir's from Detroit County Day, and Adam Shibley's from St. Ignatius in Ohio. Both are linebackers and, and very good. Um, Jared Davis from Frankenmuth, Michigan. He uh, he really asserted himself this spring. He's an Iron Man. He, yeah, he took. Uh, I mean, over, you know, five hundred, six hundred reps as a uh, corner. He's moved from from he was safety, and then he showed the athleticism to to be a corner, and he's doing a good job. Hunter Reynolds, uh, highly recruited, uh, preferred walk on from Choate Rosemary Hall in Connecticut, uh, and like all our Connecticut and East Coast players, uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. He's on the travel team already. As a uh, as a uh, corner, and he traveled last year as a true freshman. As a true freshman, he he traveled, and so he's still got four years uh, to go. And you know, some uh, some very good ones coming in are uh, we got a we got an offensive tackle that he he, he walked through the door. Griffin um, Griffin uh, is like six. Six and a half, three quarters. Uh, Griffin Corcon from from uh, Seattle, Washington. Yep. So it is a it's a it's a lifeblood of a football program. It really is. You, know, you talk about eighty five scholarships on the team, but we have one hundred and fifty four players that are in the program right now, including what's what's coming in the fall uh, and preferred walk ons, the existing players that we've had, the guys who've tried out. You know, eventually we got to get to one. 35 but uh you know that 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 competition is so good it's it makes your scout team so much better uh leading up to to games and and you know, i must have already said you know 15 examples right there of guys who are traveling or contributing or or starting and didn't even mention jordan jordan glasgow i did mention him before who do you, uh, do you have to get to 105 for fall camp Two? 110 now. So 110. It's 110. Yeah. But so. still, that's for you to – you're talking about 150-plus. You have to eventually get to 135, but you really have to get the 110 number too. We got to get a lot of we number get, crunching for you. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, it's been posted. What uh, We've posted it for the, for the squad so they know who's in the 110 right, mm-hmm. as of June 1st and who's not in the 110 as of June 1st. And we do expect that there will be movement. We, we expect and, uh, and uh, hope that that – that uh, ignites competition in the summer because our guys know that that's, uh, that 110 number is, is strictly based on merit. It, uh, the team's needs, uh, talent, um, who, who is, uh, who's going to help, help uh, at, at certain positions, but uh, who the best players are. And there, there, is, there already is scholarship players who aren't in the 110, and there's <laughs> There's uh, there's walk-ons that are preferred walk-ons that are in the 110, and there are tryout guys uh, who made it that way that are in the 110 right now. So it's good motivation for all the players. I would think, I would think if you really if you really want to play football and contribute, then that's that's tremendous motiv- motiv- motivation. Um, so yeah, excited about that, and and then uh, you know we'll look for the evaluations of Ben Herbert and and his staff and. And uh, Dave Granito and his staff over over the coming weeks, and uh, Gary Hazlett and his staff will be around the players all summer long as well. Uh, the coaches will will be watching, but you know that's a that's a major thing that we'll be looking at, and uh, we won't know what that one ten number is final number until uh, you know uh, probably we'll post that a week before we go to to camp. But the the competitive waters are hot there, you know, which is. Uh, which is good. Great question from your sophomore pioneer high get, school basketball team. No, that, that was a great answer to it. What I thought was a, when I read the question, I was like, I like these questions. Well, you I can like tell I studied. I study this and, roster daily, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and you evaluate guys daily. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, 
you know uh you know who's who's climbing and who's who's descending and who's uh who's uh really really putting in the work and, and who's getting better so uh that's the thing that i i look at uh, as much as anything yeah you mentioned uh jameson offerdahl uh when we were at uh, western michigan back in the 80s there was this tall, lanky guy out of Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. He was about six feet three, weighed about 180 pounds. And you watched him on tape, and he just leaped off the tape. Uh, John Offerdahl, his, his father. And, and had he been 220 pounds, he would have been recruited by every major school in the country because he only weighed 180, is long, and, and uh, wasn't recruited. And we were able to get him. We got him on a partial scholarship at Western Michigan. That's how few schools that – Recruited him, started every single game at Western Michigan. Every single game was drafted. First player in the my, by the Miami Dolphins in uh, yeah. 1986. Went on to play Pro Bowler for six, seven years. And you talk about John Offerdahl in Miami, and yeah. everyone just raves as a football player and as and and as as a citizen. But these are the kind of guys that Jim's talking about. A partial scholarship at Western Michigan a chance to walk on at the University of Michigan. And there's some guys that have that heartbeat and that blood running through their body. I want to take a chance. I want to come. I can prove that I can play. And there are John Offerdahls out there, names that you have just mentioned. I'm going to mention a few more because whenever you start mentioning names, I always, I always forget a few, you know. Uh, but uh, Carl Myers is a guy from West Catholic High School in, uh, in Michigan, definitely – uh, he's a nose tackle. He's definitely one of our, our top five uh, guys on the team that, that uh, don't have a scholarship right now and will be competing for a scholarship um, as we get into to late August and getting close to the, to the team. But he was a heck of a wrestler in, in high school, and he's a, he's a fantastic guy in the 110. Danger Rocky, another guy in the, in the 110 from Bowling Green High School. Dad in, Kentucky. in in uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Right, I came, remember. Came in as a as a tight end, but he's done a done an excellent job at the end and anchor position. And uh, Tyler Cochran, another guy uh, that Michigan fans will remember, son of Brad Cochran. Uh, he's in the one ten right now. He's uh, gone from corner to to safety, and I think that'll be an excellent excellent position for him. He's doing a doing a great job wearing the number of his dad and. Fast like his dad, too. So I get excited talking about uh, all of our football players. But, uh, you know, the guys that are, uh, that are here and, and not uh, on a scholarship uh, and got a chip on their shoulders, yeah. I, I relate to those guys. Yeah. I really do, you know. And, uh, and some of the ones that, that do have a scholarship and think they've got it made, and uh, it's just amazing how the, how the guys with the chip on their shoulder uh, eventually, uh, you know, in some cases pass them up. You know, because they work harder. I think we'll all forget. You'll be forgiven if you miss a name here or there. You have over 150 names to remember. <laughs> well, so. I know there's. I know, and I apologize for the for the names that uh, you know that I, I did I did leave out there. But uh, you know, I, to their parents, I apologize. I love your sons, uh, even though I might not have mentioned their name. They're they're uh, they're all progressing and, and doing great, and and uh, and just working really really hard this summer. Progressing, we should mention Ben Mason Healthy back from the uh, the meniscus tear. He was very coy; he wouldn't talk about which leg it was, which is great. But good, like a boxer, he's like got to keep it, uh, got to keep it. Disc- I prefer the hockey way, where if you have an elbow injury, it's a lower body injury. If you have a knee injury, it's an upper body injury to really yeah. keep people guessing. Yeah. But it was great to see that he's back from injury and ready to go for through summer conditioning, and then obviously get ready for fall camp. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. He is uh, really doing good, really special, and. Uh, We've we've tried to even recruit some other fullbacks to the program, and is is there anyone that can play fullback at the University of Michigan that's not named Ben? No, you got to be named Ben right now. Uh, ben Van Summeren was not was not was not scared off where I was going with that. Is uh, when we recruit other fullbacks now, we have to we have to uh, not introduce them to Ben Mason because uh, you know we've 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 had the case where we made the mistake of. Introducing a fullback to Ben Mason, and uh, their 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 level of wanting to come here went from from they were coming to they weren't coming. So, and he didn't even meet the other Ben yet. His his, his twin brother, step brother Ben Van Summerlin. Yeah, there's a guy who's not scared. There's another Ben too. Are there, are there three Bens or just two? Just two Bens. 
There was going to be three. Now there's two. Oh, just two? Yeah. Oh, apparently the other two scared off the third. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you were going with That's that? That's where I was going with that. All right, before we, uh, before we wrap up this opening segment, we're going to get to our guest, part two of Michigan man Nate Forbes, who's the vice chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers, coming up in a little bit. But we have to give a shout-out to your dad, the patience of Job. He goes down to the Indians-Tigers game on Saturday. It was supposed to be a 4-10 start, and the game started closer to 6, yep. and it went 12 innings, and his team lost. I, I think the best part to me hearing that story, though, was that uh, my dad and mom were, hey, Jack, Son Jack, five-year-old Jack, is getting a little tired. We better, we better take him home. And, and what, Jack, what was Jack's response? Well, the, great, the great part of that story is it was the, I figured at the end of the ninth inning, if this thing's 2-2, it's time for me. I wasn't thinking of Jack or Jackie. I was thinking it was time for me to go home. So I mentioned, well, listen, we got to run, you know, Jack here. Look at him. He's getting a little tired, yeah. and, and maybe we should take him home. Everybody said, oh, my goodness, he's still out here. I understand. So we started to walk. You know, out and Jack says, "I don't want to go home. I want to see how this thing's going, how this thing's going to end. I want to stay." That's where I was going. I made me happy. And then everybody in the box said, "Well, he blew your cover. <laughs> he didn't want to go anywhere." So we stayed about three more innings. But Jimmy, the, the funniest part of it is, we we were making. You know, sometimes we make these little bets. Yeah. So he it was he was rooting for the Tigers and I was rooting for the Indians and he got two runners on in like the eighth inning the t- Tigers had two runners on in the eighth inning and no outs and I said Jack they got two runners on you're going to score he said well let's let's make a little bet then I said well let's bet how much you want to bet he said well let's we'll bet a dollar I got a dollar I got a dollar so we we made it he said what do well, we have to shake hands on that he says we do so we shook hands on it and something it's happened controversy about the shaking of the oh hands, right? yeah that's what that's what happened so. So what happens is they don't score. So now it's the it's the it's the ninth inning, and and Jackie said, "Well, you know, you're, the bet's still on." No, no, the bet's not on anymore. Jack said, "You got to have two handshakes in order for a bet to be a real bet. You have to have two handshakes." So this this bet is not is not on. So now it's the bottom of like the twelfth inning, and I went uh, came back in, and Tiger hits a home run over over the fence, right? right. To go to go to head four to two. It's a walk off. So Jack shakes, he goes, shake, Papa. <laughs> and I shook his hand. He says, that was the second shake. He <laughs> owed me a buck. <laughs> smart kid. He's five years old. You're raising a smart It must have been five bucks because he. It was five. I didn't want to go that high. I didn't want anyone out thinking that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm betting $5 for my grandson. <laughs> well, he was pretty happy with himself because this morning uh, he, he, woke, uh, he woke me up about six. You know, you got you kind of like laying on the side of the bed there, and I hear this little nudge. He's 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 kind of shaking me. I open my eyes, and he's got a five dollar bill in one hand and a five dollar bill in the other hand, and told me the story how he uh, he bet on the the horse race. Yeah, and he, yeah, he took justify. He, you know, they pulled they pulled it out of a hat. He pulled justify out of a hat so for the five, and then we were betting his five against my five. For the so, so I didn't I. I couldn't believe the second handshake. I don't know where that came from. Two handshakes to cons- consummates a, a bet. That's in his thing. But the other thing i got to tell you, we, we've done some great things in our lives. I mean, part of two national championship football teams, uh, you know, Rose Bowls and all that different thing. But Saturday had to be one of those, those special days. Started out at 11 o'clock. We would go to the, the, the soccer game he's playing. He, he gets a goal, and then he gets another goal. And I'm texting you, Jack scores. Then Jack scores. scores. Jack scores. I don't know if I say score. And then Jim's coming back. Is that three goals, or you just you, have you just repeated yourself? You were out. On, I didn't it, know if it was one of those texts where they double yeah. up the text or whether he was actually scoring again. So he's scoring, he's scoring the goals. But the, the moment that I remember, and I've had these with Riley, you know, over the years going to games and things. But So then uh, we're driving home in the car and and you're on the phone with him yeah. congratulating him and telling him how proud you are are of him and everything and and then i think if you could tell the story better something about wishing him luck well i said uh i asked him who was all at the game and you know did anybody else was did addy go or anybody else go he goes nope just papa i go well, that's awesome five goals with papa papa's your lucky charm and he said I don't need a lucky charm. <laughs> and I was, hey, when he said, I'm driving the car, and when he said, I don't need a lucky charm, I thought, oh, my God, I just flashed back 30, some 40 years back. This is something I would have heard with you and John in the backseat. We don't need luck. 
I was with Coach when he was talking to Jack, and he uh, Coach was smiling ear to ear, just hearing the stories and talking to him, and and just five goals, his new personal record. It was it was it was awesome. It was it was, it was cool for me to see a proud dad moment like that. Oh, it's 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 one of those things that you all the things well, I got to hear about Dudex. I mean, he's got he's got proud moments all the time. The, struck out the side, or you know, fielded the ball, ran it over to first. Didn't she didn't want to take any uh, chances? Abby gets her athleticism from her mom, and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. But, but all the fans out there listening, if, if I could just make one point in this pod, podcast, those are the moments, whether they're 5 years old or five, 15 years old or 25 years old or fifth, with your children. Ira, we've talked about this. These are the snapshot moments. Do not allow those moments to pass without a smile and by – Putting that into the into the mind as 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 remembrance because I'm telling you that's what life's all about. It's all about sharing those moments and those memories with your children. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for your car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Coming up next, we'll have part two of our interview with Michigan man Nate Forbes, vice chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers here on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Here is a message for the listeners of our podcast, the Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Please help our podcast stay free to download with minimal ads. There is a new Podcast One survey to complete. Responses will help align the appropriate advertisers for our audience. It's a short and completely anonymous survey. It takes no more than five minutes, and there are two easy ways to get involved in the survey. Either go to podcast1.com slash my survey or go to podcast1.com and click on the survey banner. If you filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we still need you to do it again. You do all of us at Attack Each Day and Podcast One a huge favor by filling it out. Thank you for supporting our program and for taking the time to complete the survey. Again, there are two ways to complete the Podcast One survey. Go to podcast1.com slash my survey or go to podcast1.com and click on the survey banner. Now back to Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. It's now time for part two of our chat with Nate Forbes, Michigan man and vice chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we decided to let him take the wheel for a little bit. It's time for him to ask some questions of our host, Jim and Jack Harbaugh. I just had, I thought about this driving up here today for this podcast. What goes on in the Harbaugh family when they, all the kids are out of school and everybody's running around during the summer vacation? And you're out coaching football. I mean, Sarah, she, can she keep it all together? It's got to be like, come on, Jack. Do you, you help out a little bit around the house? Not Does he help out? <laughs> Not the, man is, the man has a baseball uh, field in his backyard. Got a, got a little diamond back there. Jack comes down about, about 350. He gets out to of throw school. BP? You know, for, we do. We have batting He practice. doesn't do a lot of throwing of BP. He, he, uh, he does mostly all hitting. He, uh, I got reprimanded the other last the, week. It was not a not a good week for me. I was so proud of Jack, you know, with BP. I underhanded to him, and he takes a wild swing. And if you put it on his bat, now it's going a long way. It's but going you a got, long way. You got to see the the, the swing where he's swinging, yeah. and then put it right there. And it's going to be a swing every time, and it goes a long way. So I told Jim, I said, "You got to come down and see this guy hit." And he said, what other things are you throwing? I said, well, we haven't gotten to throwing yet. <laughs> and I want you to know I got reference. What do you mean he's not throwing? That's where you start. You start with throwing. You don't start with hitting. I said, Jim, Jack, 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 point, Jack pointed out that there, there's a lot of guys that can throw and hit. No, a lot uh, of guys that can throw. Not, a, lot of guys not, that, but not, a lot of guys that can throw and field. Not a lot of guys that can hit. I said, I've studied it. The guys that are getting the 42 million are the guys that are hitting out of the ballpark, so that's what we're going to start. So as a young kid, between Jim and his brother, did John, was he ever at the athletic level that Jim was in terms of his path and career? Well, there were times that John was a little bit taller than Jim, and we took our photos, and Jim had to jump up on the toes to, to, try, to try, try to match it out. But 
they they were tremendous, tremendous competitors. And remember coming home at night, and uh, well, this was another one. He he was trying to teach after I was reprimanded for not doing more throwing. He took him out, and he did it like a sandlot. Remember, uh, Benny the Jet threw it out to to what was his name? Uh, Oh, and Sandlot? I yeah. can't remember all the names like you do. But he was in the outfield, and he couldn't catch. He just kind of closed his eyes and put his glove up. And that's, Jack was kind of closing his eyes, and Jim was trying to <laughs> find a way to hit the glove. And uh, and uh, so he was the things we used to do, play a lot of a lot of catch. So we're, we got to got to do. John some was always better, man. Every in pretty much every sport except basketball. When we were growing up, did John play um, college sport? Uh, yeah, yeah, he played college football at Miami, Ohio. Yeah, Miami, and, Ohio. Uh, Outstanding baseball. And I never did. I never. T- I never overtook him in baseball. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, when you came here, Jim, were you? Were you were not anointed as a starting quarterback your freshman year? Did, you were redshirted. Uh, yeah, I did not play my first year, and I played uh, very sparingly my, my second year, and then uh, started my third year. And who did you compete against for that job your third year? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, Chris Zerbrug and uh, Russ Reen and, and Dan Decker. Um, that was uh, a competition going into that year, which I became the starting quarterback and then broke my arm in the fifth game. Um, and then the other guys uh, took over, and then I had to – come back in spring ball the next year and and uh nothing was promised and I was was able to win that win that job back but uh uh biggest difference in your day to today with the collegiate athletes that you see coming into preparation for college football um they're bigger they're stronger they're faster uh I think they're smarter too there's uh there's so much more being done at the youth le- level and the, the junior high level, the high school level. I may go to these camps and see see some of these 2021 20, quarterbacks, 2022. 20, I mean, that's that's eighth grade going to ninth grade. 2021 20, is ninth grade going into to tenth grade. I watch the the defensive backs. I mean, they go through the the back pedal and the 45 degree angle and 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 all the different uh, different uh, movements they do. Uh, they really know those those youngsters really know those drills. They're really trained up at at doing it, and it, uh, there are there's so many that are so good at it that it's it's hard to find the real the real difference in when you see a, at a, at a camp. You know, same with some of the quarterbacks when they go through their footwork and and they and they throw the ball. They've all, they're all really really trained up on those drills, and and you really have to watch the the game tape to see see the separation and see the well, difference. Well, the speed and the strength of the game, Jack, you got to look back in the day. We never had this problem in, with the concussions and the amount of injuries at the level that we do today. It's a, I, you know, one, I, I totally agree with that, and, and, and it's good. All the concentration and all the research and the changing of the drills and analyzing drills to, to eliminate concussions is, is good for the game. And I look back 25, 30 years ago, when we start, you couldn't drink water. At practice, you were not allowed water, and I—what I, an insane idea that you—we used to take salt tablets, salt dispenser. Salt First tab- of all, we get we'd, two salt tablets in you before we practice. We didn't let them have water, but we gave them two salt tablets with dissolved in your stomach, and I'm sure it <laughs> put holes in there. And we were doing all that for—you needed to replace the salt in your system without putting water into your system. I remember back in the '50s, we didn't know what a cruciate was. We called it. You called it a trick knee. Trick knee, and, 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 trick and your knee. knee, and you got on your knee, and it just went around <laughs> like that. And yeah, he's got a trick knee, and tape it up. Six weeks later, <laughs> they're out on the the insane things, and how far we've we've come in football. And I think that's all good. And and the message for parents, especially, is to understand that the game is moving in the right direction, and concussions are being addressed. Can you eliminate concussions? You can't eliminate soccer. You can't eliminate them. You can't eliminate them in baseball. There's no sport that you can say there will not be a possibility for a concussion. Are you, but we're moving in the right direction. Are you worried about it all, Jim? Kind of football, maybe people talk about having peaked in terms of its popularity and the te- television audience. And because of this whole issue, the violence and all the things going on surrounding the game, is that an issue for you moving forward? Um. Uh, not when I go out and I go to these camps. And, uh, you know, there was 1,500 
uh, youngsters at the – and there might have been more because I think there was the, – the line was so long that uh, the count was 1,500 when uh, when I delivered, but there's still another two, 300 that were, were still in line. And, uh, you know, go to, go to the East Coast, go to the South, go to the – to the west coast the midwest uh you know it it's it seems uh stronger than ever with uh with the popularity of football and the the youngsters that that uh you know have a desire to to play the game and you know one of my f- favorite things my brother mm-hmm. has ever said is that uh there's nobody that's ever played 4 years of high school football and gotten to the end of those four years and said that they wish they hadn't have played. You don't hear it because it just it never gets said. So uh, I think uh, the sport of football is 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 vibrant or more vibrant than ever. We think about football; it's about contact. And the United States of America that I know that was founded way back in the 1700s was founded on some form of physical contact and i can't see a society i can't see the united states of america surviving <laughs> without some form of football and contact in it they've had to regulate the game a couple different times back teddy roosevelt had to regulate the game to make it safer because players were dying on the field so you make certain things safer and then you keep on going and keep playing the game of football yeah well I, you kind of go back and then i really uh yeah i looked at, when we were at normandy it was uh you know, just and you research what that generation, uh, what they were about, what they did, the things that they accomplished. You know, uh, you know some of the and uh, an invasion of Normandy uh, Beach. You know, in in the scope of the world. Uh, you know, one of the one of the huge days in the history of the right. entire world, uh, and the generation of people that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, on our side that were. Uh, in those combats, and, and I think my dad's right. I mean, those were those were football players. Yeah, you know, there was uh, the school. game of basketball might have still been uh, shooting into peach baskets. <laughs> right, and, you know, at that time they'd been through a dep- a depression, and uh, boxing was uh, might have been the the great sport in the in the United States at that time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it was good for that generation i think that's our greatest generation we had a player that played for me at eaton high school back in the 60s my first head coaching job in 1963 he was a fullback his name was bob davis and uh his son brad came and played for me when i was coaching at uh western kentucky university but i got a letter from him about 15 or 20 years later and the letter read that he went to vietnam and he was in the in the in the forest there and and and, and fighting in in, in vietnam and he, the letter read that had it not been for football, and in those days we had three-a-days, not two-a-days, mm. we went three-a-days. And it was in full pads three times a day, and, and we played the game of football. And he wrote in that letter, had it net not been for my experience with football and three-a-day practices at Eaton High School in 1964, I don't know if I could have survived that experience. And there were a lot that didn't so uh great teaching tools there's sure. a there's a i wish i could have the recall of this uh this movie or this film but it was like one of those animated ones i was that you watch with your kids and uh pretty much the whole gist of it was everybody lived in outer space they lived in these uh <laughs> oh yeah uh sleds <laughs> just big just big space cities or whatever and the, and the people i mean they'd gotten so lazy and so soft that uh, everything was being done for them. They didn't have to walk anywhere. They were just kind of transported. Their food came to them, and there were just these blobs, you know, these these blobs of, of, of people. And uh, the thing that just jumped into my mind right there is with, without football, without the, uh, you know, athletic competitions of, of, of physicality, uh, I, I think we would move more toward uh, that society being a legitimate thing. Does that make any sense? Makes sense to me. (laughs) Total sense to Jack Harbaugh. When you did the Smokehouse race this past weekend at the youth camp, when you said it was time to compete, Every one of those kids got in the line. They, they had, their toe was one blade of grass off the white. They, their faces changed. They were ready to go. And I think that competition, that's, again, what football brings. It, when you blew the whist, set whistle, those kids ran as hard as they could, and they were trying to beat the guys next to them and just 
again, building that competition and everything you guys are saying, I mean, their eyes changed. When they were going through the bags in the camp, they were having a good time, getting their hands down in their stances, tackling the dummies. That was fun. But when it was time to compete, the eyes changed, the, their body language changed. Every, from the fifth graders to the eighth graders, you saw it over and over again on Saturday. It's, it's a sport that you can – I mean, it's hard, it's rough, it's tough. It uh, demands that, uh, that uh, you have – there is discipline and you show up on time and, uh, and you, you have to compete. All the – you know, you can't email your way through something. It's got to be – the truth will be told out on the field mm-hmm. – and it's not not everybody gets those lessons. Some people some people quit or don't want to don't want to do it. Uh, but that's but okay. football is not a game that that cuts people in when they're in the youth sports mm-hmm. or the high school sports. It's so it's it that opportunity is there for for uh, you know all the all the young boys and young men to uh, to participate. You know, as opposed to some other sports where I see it in the youth sports. Even I mean, it's it's insane the. Uh, to, to be a soccer player or uh, not very old do you get, you know, nine or 10 or 11 before they're, they're cutting you and they're moving you over here. And, That's right. and uh, um, you know, same as has got to be the high same school for basketball. basketball. Yeah. High school know? basketball. Mm-hmm. My son last year, Birmingham Groves tries out for the Groves varsity team. There's 40 kids trying mm-hmm. out for 12 spots yeah. and it's pretty damn competitive. And the yeah. coach has to call in 28 kids and say, you didn't make the team. It's pretty hard message to deliver a, a tenth and eleventh grader. So, yeah. for and, sure. it, and you see it here at Michigan. Uh, you know, currently we have one hundred one hundred fifty three players that are out to football, um, and so our final roster is going to be be one thirty five. But but darn near everybody that that uh, you know wants the opportunity, if they go to the, the University of Michigan, they they can try out and be out for the team, and they 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 come every day. They they. They train, they lift, they uh, they go through the drills. I mean, the, it's amazing how much better they get, and they can they can stick on the uh, on the team. So it's uh, I don't know a lot of other sports like that that has that kind of numbers you and, know, it and is, opportunity and it isn't available. Just the twenty two that start on offense and defense. I mean, it, the players that are running demonstration, you know, on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, they're out in full pads. You know, you know being a demonstration team for the offense and the defense, you know, they, they're gaining things, even though they may not participate on Saturday. But on Saturday today, how many guys see regular time with all oh. the specialty substitution uh, patterns? You must point. play. F- how many guys do you play? 45 guys? Oh, more than that. Uh, right? Yeah, more. I mean, uh, probably uh, 60 can – usually 60, uh, 65, even 70 can play if you're, you know, if you're in a – if you're in a big lead situation where, uh, you know, maybe 40-plus will play, uh, you know, week after week. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Dad says, I mean, it, it's a game, and you watch guys. They don't even have had to have played it all their lives. They can get good at football and get better at football, uh, you know, pretty darn quickly. Quickly, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like probably getting ready to, to go over – uh, you know, in in the military, I mean, I think they train them up for about nine months. You know, that's, send them over, and then send them. You know, yeah. that's that. I mean, that football can can be the same thing if you're really diligent with it and uh, and uh, and into it. You're gonna you're gonna get better at football faster. You don't have to have played it when you were four years old or five years old or uh, three Beckler. years old. Bo Schembechler, the greatest line I've ever heard. I'm gonna say it. You just, sound like him. I'm, by I, the way, I, right I go when I start this line. I, I will be like him. Soccer. It's the greatest game ever invented until you reach the seventh grade. Then it's time to play football if you're a male. <laughs> if you're a male young man, you started that off. Perfect, Jeff. <laughs> one quick question. I know where I saw the time to wrap up. I got to ask you two guys because I think one of the greatest things you guys have done since you've been here, really and truly, football being such a great sport, it's such an aggregator of people and the whole University of Michigan community. But when these football players come to this university to play football for you and your organization – and they're able to get an experience like they've been able to get the last two years, first going to Rome and this year to Paris. When you add that level of education and history to their time here, it's a powerful, powerful tool, Jim. I don't even think you realize how powerful it is to these players. Yeah, and, and sometimes they don't even realize it too. But uh, whenever we go, I mean, we're just in New York. Uh, you know, about a month ago, Dad, you were there with me. Uh, I mean, there was there – was, uh, 
you know, five different gentlemen that came up to me and wanted to know, uh, you know, what was Grant Newsom like? What was Bradford Jones like? Uh, what was Matt Mitchell like? Uh, John O'Corn uh, and, and, and a few other guys. And uh, I said, they're the best. You know, they're, well, we want to hire them. We want to hire them. Like, you know, we, do you think that, uh, that Grant is, 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 do you think he's going into, will go into politics or do you think he would be interested in Wall Street? I go, well, I don't know. Here's his number. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you ask him? But, uh, you know, there's, there's no question that the, that, that the, the political universe and the business universe are, are interested in, in Grant Newsom. And, uh, you know, they're, they're froth. They were frothing. It was, uh, it reminded me of, uh, of football coaches that are, or, uh, NBA, you know, free agency, you know, that, 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 uh, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to, trying to get them. So, uh, I, I guess I do have some insight, you know, and, yeah. and understand what, uh, what kind of experience they're getting, from football and what kind of experience they're getting uh, as a student at the University of Michigan. I think it's at the highest level. Not a lot of programs offer what University of Michigan does with this week program that you've done the last two years going to Rome. Have you been to both trips, Jay? Both trips. Yeah. And the kids, their eyes must be wide open. Nate, if you could have seen them on the platform at Normandy when they were up there and uh, the American flag was there and the University of Michigan flag was there and they introduced a, a, a former football player from the Citadel had that was buried in that cemetery and mm. they played that the taps and they played the national anthem looked into their faces i mean it was the most moving thing that i've seen they understood over their right shoulder was the beach that those 23 year old men the same age that they were on that mm. day you know went on that beach and then you looked over their left shoulder and saw the cemetery with 9438 brave young men that that gave their lives on that day i mean it was moving beyond uh, any any way you could explain yeah and i was uh, having a discussion there was three or four players there um i know jared wangler was one and uh and tyler Croc- cochran was another and uh they were talking about this how global business has become and uh and one of them one of them made the statement that that uh, speaking a foreign language in today's business, and this is what they've learned over at the mm-hmm. Ross School, because mm-hmm. uh, they're all they're, you know, they're, we have almost 20, 20 guys that are in the Ross oh, wow. School. But uh, he made a very profound statement. I'd never heard anybody say this before. That that speaking a foreign language is the new passport into business, mm. uh, which uh, was uh, and they were as they were thanking us for for going to. Uh, to Rome and to to Paris and exposing uh, not only the business students but all our uh, all our players to that kind of experience. And where's the next trip next? Is summer? that true? Is that is that true? The foreign language is the new passport to business. You know, that's first time I heard of it as well. But I'll tell you one thing: guys that come out today, a lot of them speak two, three languages. It's like they grow up doing it in grade school. I never did. Did you? No, I, yeah. I took a little Spanish. <laughs> but we better not get into that. Yeah. <laughs> You don't speak Spanish around the dinner table, no, do you? No, the only experience in Spanish was Jim at, here at the University of Michigan. How many, three, three times you took it? Or I took it, I, took it for, I took it for three years in high school, and I took it for three semesters at Michigan. It's the same, it was the same class three times, right. if I recall. <laughs> I did that. I've been using it down in Peru. <laughs> I took Spanish one in seventh grade, 11th grade, and then in college. But, but if I do recall this, the, the, the Spanish teacher, and you got Jim's persistence is unknown to mankind, but he kept coming back to the same professor that kept, you know, telling him to come back. And the third time the professor called him and said, Jim, come every day, sit right here, keep your eyes on me, and some way, somehow. By golly, he passed that class. <laughs> and he finally passed it and got his. Caesar Puente. <laughs> Caesar Puente was, uh, was my uh, eighth grade Spanish teacher. And uh, he, uh, he was very patient with me. And uh, he, helped me, uh, he helped me get started and taught me a lot of Spanish. He must Muy be bien, fellas. Muy, muy bien. bien. Muy bien. One quick question. I didn't get Jim. my passport into business. <laughs> I think Jack. That, 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 is, that your, is that the point you're trying to make? I, I'm not sure what point I was trying to make, but I, I thought that was... Como esta? I have no we idea bien. what you're talking about. <laughs> Just say muy bien again, you'll be good. Unsung Me. hero. University of Michigan football team this year. Unsung hero. Unsung hero. Oh, my goodness. I'll give you, no, I'll give you some more. I'll give you some more Spanish. Then you See, Jim won't let him answer. Mi esposa es hermosa en todo el mundo. 
Total agree. I whatever. Totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unsung hero, Jack. Oh my goodness! I I, can't, I nothing jumps at me. Jim, are you unsung hero of the team this of year? Of the team this year. Um, that's yet to be determined. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, there's there's quite a few guys that uh, that have the license and the ability to be that. I year. like that. The license and the ability. Well said. Nate, this has been a fascinating conversation. We really appreciate you coming down and joining us for the conversation, and good luck to the Cavs Thanks the rest of the, the way time. this season and, and beyond. Nate Forbes, Vice Chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers, President and Managing Partner of the Forbes Company, and he is on the Board of Directors of Jack Entertainment and Rock Gaming. On the other side, hashtag Jack Talk. This is Jack Talk. I want to listen. I want to be better. I want to be the best I can be. Welcome to our team. The team, the team. Jack Talk. As you get older, you get to be 78 years old. Here's what I find. Hair grows in places that it hadn't been before. Welcome to Hashtag Jack Talk. It's now time for everybody's favorite part of the show. We've had some great interviews over the weeks and a lot of great segments, but it always comes back to Jack Talk with, of course, Jack Harbaugh, the patriarch of the Harbaugh family. And today, Jack, we're going to talk a little bit about a guy that we've talked a little bit about in the past, Gates Brown, a Crestline, Ohio native, a former uh, mate of yours uh, from back uh, growing up. Uh, coincidentally, I got a text message from one of your former players, Rick Leach, about it because he said, Gates, we we're talking about the best Tigers of all time. And he said he wanted to vote for Gates Brown. Not only was he your tailback in high school, but also because he is – the only major leaguer to hit with a hot dog tucked inside his <laughs> shirt. So, I mean, right there, that's a, that's a, that's a winning, uh, winning recipe. Uh, it's a great story, and he's a great story. Uh, we were uh, we the same age. I mean, he had a birthday this past May. He would have been 80 years old, 79 years old, and, and, uh, and just, a, just an outstanding athlete, an outstanding person. And, and uh, Saturday, we went to the, to the baseball game. We had the two-hour wait uh but the the picture on the ticket was that of gates brown and it brought back such tremendous memories for for me i i i think of him he what a compelling story uh gates brown he was a very 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 humble uh beginning uh he was offered a football scholarship at purdue university coming out of his junior year of high school he got into some trouble he went to jail he didn't graduate from high school most everyone in Crestline kind of gave up on him a little bit uh, and uh, kind of forgot about him after that. They found baseball in his second uh, while he was in prison, a story that I, I think we've told, and played for 13 years, may go down as the all-time leading pinch hitter in all of baseball. Smokey Burgess, you could maybe make an argument about, but but he was just an outstanding clutch guy, uh, uh, Jake Wood and, and Willie Horton talked about him on the broadcast on uh, on Sunday, and they mentioned Gates's name, and both of them just broke down in, into laughter. The stories that they, they they could recall about about Gates lost a son at a at a, at a very early age, twenty twenty one year old son he lost, and uh, didn't make the money that they make in baseball today, and uh, always remained a friend, never bitter would come back to Crestline and, and meet his old friends and sit around and tell stories and, and just a just a fond, fond memory of, of this outstanding, outstanding human being. But we've talked several times about my concept about baseball. I'm not a real huge little league fan. You know, the way we grew up, we grew up on the sandlots in Crestline, south side. Now, Gates was from outside of town, and he had a grandfather that lived in our neighborhood. Rex James was his name, lived right in our neighborhood, so every once in a while, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Gates would show up. Now, how he got there, I don't know. Maybe maybe his grandfather went out and brought him in. Maybe he rode his bicycle in. But it was about a five-mile, six-mile ride uh, on bicycle to, to get there. But he would show up, be there the entire game and play. He was on our Southside Slugger baseball team, uh, just an outstanding, outstanding player. And we recruited him. You say Southside, well, we recruited him from the West Side, one of our one of our real, real uh, – additions to our team that made all kind so of you're difference recruiting, in our team. Uh, very young uh, at a young age very so. young we learned that uh, <laughs> talent it's all it's all about talent and development but we'd meet on those days and play baseball from time the sun came up until the sun went down uh went to a house had a little bit of lunch and and on but uh and then when we were coaching here in in the 70s gates was with the tigers 
and uh, we would take the kids over there, John and Jim over there, and he'd get his seats. We'd go into the clubhouse after the game, and he'd introduce us to, to Willie, and the, and, the, and the players were on the team at the time. We'd go to Willie's place. He had a little little tavern there, and, and two kids would go there, and the players would be there. And, I mean, you can imagine our, our kids just, they were in hog heaven, literally in hog heaven. And Gates would come to Ann Arbor. I know I've told this story, but it's in the memory of Gates, he used to ride a motorcycle. I say sackle. It's I think it's cycle, motorcycle, but I call it a motorcycle. But he rode it, and he had the he had the leather jacket and the helmet. I mean, he was he he was a ride that motorcycle. And he came to Ann Arbor for a for a, a fundraiser to make some money and rode it, put parked it in our front yard over there on Anderson. And uh, the word got around the neighborhood that Gates Brown is at the Harbaugh house. And uh, so all at once, we're sitting at the kitchen table having a lemonade and. And uh, Gates is sitting there, and pretty soon John and Jim came in and said that would he mind signing some autographs from the from the neighbor kids around neighbor kids in case ah, he thought there were like one or two kids coming through, and they lined him up at the back door, and there was a line literally around our house and down the block of kids <laughs> waiting to get in the back door, and then they would John would bring another one Jim, and he'd come in and. Gates would sign his name out the front door and then the back door and the front door. And it it, had, it it was like an hour, an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes for everybody to get get through the house. And Gates said, is there anybody in Ann Arbor that has not got a signed autograph? <laughs> no, well, there's kids that just really like you, Gates, and they, they wanted to come over to sign the autograph. And so uh, a couple, three days later, I see him counting money. They're counting money on the on – I said, where did you get all that money? Well, uh, should we tell him? Yeah, I think you should tell me. Where did you, you get the money? Well, every guy that lined up in the back there was paying a buck to get Gates' autograph, and, and they were collecting the money at the back door and then running them through the front door. And I have no idea how much money it was, but I know it did take about an hour and 45 minutes. So we were doing a testimony for Gates in Crestline about 20 years later. You know, Jim had already played at Michigan, and John was coaching somewhere in the pros, and and they and I was one of the speakers, and so I got up and I I said, Gates, I confession. I ha- I have to make a confession to you, and I've held this for like twenty five or so years, twenty eight years, but it's time for me to to tell you exactly what happened on that day when the, the kids were lined up out the back door and, and around the corner, and John and Jim had used your name without your permission. You know they had collected money on that. I know it was wrong. I probably should have mentioned this to you. I have no idea what this means, income tax or inter- internal revenue and things, but I have to tell you. And, and John and Jim had felt bad about that, and they finally asked me to give you uh, a percentage of, of what they, they made on that day. And they, they made made $70, and they want to make sure that you get 10% of that. So here's the 7 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't turn around and say, well, you know, that's 28 years ago, and the inflation rate would have made that a little bit higher. i tell you what he did. He folded it up and put it in his pocket and said thank you is, is what he said. But, uh, but the tr- tremendous memories. And, and it's so for us to see how well he's appreciated and loved in, in Detroit. And 13-year career there, and, and his, uh, his wife still lives in Detroit. And, uh, Isn't there something about friend. those guys – Sure, we all grew up loving the best player on the team or the second best player on the team and the all-star, the, the perennial all-star. That was the guy that you knew because he played in the Midsummer Classic and he led your team. But there's something about kid baseball fans that while you might love you know, the star player the most, there's that other guy on the team that he's not going to the all-star game, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, but he was your guy too. And he was a guy that you remembered and you could always talk about. Like, I'll, I think about, you know, Rick Dempsey. I was a catcher, so I might have loved Eddie Murray. But Rick Dempsey was – now, he did win the MVP of the World Series, but that was a very unique thing for his career. He was just a two-something hitter, kind of like you uh, were back in, uh, back in the day as a kid. Maybe. Or may- <laughs> and maybe I was – no, I wasn't even a 200-hitter as a kid. But there's always that other guy. Yeah. And Gates Brown in this area seemed to be one of those other guys. And keep in mind, Ira, that they lived in town. I mean, Gates lived, when he went to Detroit in the early 60s, I mean, when he came up as a minor league player, they bought a house. Still lived in that house, I know, until at least 
two or three years ago when before Gates passed. I mean, they lived in the house. We would visit that house. Kids in the neighborhood knew where Gates Brown lived. He wasn't going anywhere in the wintertime. He was going to stay there. I mean, if there was a some place that he could go and meet kids, a, a the PAL program or the YMCA or junior high school, they're going to have 25 kids. He was there and didn't didn't ask for a ton of money, didn't want a ton of money. He wanted to be there, and, and parents understood that, and kids understood that. And I think that's maybe a little bit different today. The yeah, players aren't say, accessible as they were. Well, there's that, but I also I'm not sure that you can get um, what we would call a, a utility or a specialty player to stick on the same team for as long as they do. Now, now you almost have to bounce around because once you get to a certain level, they're like, well, you make too much money, so we need to bring in the younger guy that could do the same thing. And you may not be able to have the same staying power of that guy. Or if he has one great year, he then – they realize we got to give him a bigger contract. And, again, it gets back to a finances thing. I think it's harder to stick around. Keep in mind there was no free agency in those right. days. That came with with, with, uh, yeah. with Kurt Flood. With Lou. Was it, was Kurt, it Flood. Kurt Flood yep. played with the Cardinals. And Correct. there wasn't that. I mean, when they came at the end of the year and they said, well, you, you had a great year and we're going to give you a, a $200 raise – I mean, I said, I, to, you. you know, I, you would say, well, I'm going to test a free. Well, there wasn't any, anything to test. I yeah. mean, you took the $200 or you didn't play you didn't play baseball. I don't think Gates ever made more than $38,000. I mean, he's in the league for 13 years. I don't think he ever made more than $13,000. $13, and there were a lot of players like that. But, they, but he was so excited to have made a major league career from his – from where his beginnings were and – and uh, he wanted to give back. He wanted to pay forward, and uh, that's the way I I remember. And uh, and the thing that uh, that we loved him so much for. And of course, he got seventy bucks for your kids back in the well. He, uh, back really, in the, day. the kids got the sixty three. Sixty three. And he got the other seven. Another great ta- uh, Jack Talk, as always. We also want to thank our guest from earlier in the show, Michigan man Nate Forbes, vice chairman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You can contact us using hashtag Jack Talk uh, on Twitter. You can also reach us on Twitter at AED Podcast or at Ira in Ann Arbor. You can follow us and favorite us on podcast1.com and the Podcast One app. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We want to thank Podcast One. We want to thank our sponsor, True Car. We want to tell everyone to have a great week and keep attacking each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Thank you for listening to Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast here on Podcast One. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts.